Well, good morning, church. My brothers and sisters, those who are dearly loved by God. In this room and online, wherever you are, know that Jesus is with you. Welcome to the latest installment of our series, Remarkable, looking through the life of Jesus in the book of Mark. Last Sunday, um, Pastor Andrew gave us a great sermon on divorce, which is a weird thing to say, but it was. It was very insightful and um, really looking at God's heart and intent for marriage. So, I mean, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, please go check it out online on our church YouTube channel. This morning uh, in Mark chapter 10, we're looking at the story of the rich young ruler. Um, It's also found in Matthew 19 and also Luke 18. Why do we call him a rich young ruler? Well, he was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler. Makes sense. Um, He was probably a ruler in some sort of civic type office. Um, The word used to denote his age is he's probably under 40, somewhere, somewhere in that range. And the words they used to describe his wealth or possessions um, seem to indicate that he owned a lot of land or property. Um, so this is the kind of guy that we are talking about or looking at in our text this morning. So if you uh, want to turn there with me or look there on the screen or however, you can also just listen. It's a great story. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. So as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, that no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. This is the word of the Lord. 
It's interesting, the first thing that we notice about this guy, this young ruler, is that he's eager. He's earnest. He runs to Jesus. He falls on his knees and he asks him a question. He's like, good teacher, I have a question. And I mean, Jesus kind of pauses in there. Why did you call me good? I mean, this man called Jesus good, not only because of Jesus' teaching, but I also think because Jesus' life, how he lived, what he displayed in his lifetime was exemplary. And this, this, this young man saw that. So Jesus tr- draws attention to it. He's like, why do you call me good? No one's good but God alone. Which isn't Jesus denying that he's God. Rather, actually, it's him affirming it. And then he adds some context here. He's like, no one is good except God alone. I mean, that's something to keep in mind as we look at the rest of this conversation that that goes on. So then this man asks this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I don't know about you guys, I haven't had anybody run up to me and ask me that question. I mean, that would be pretty great, wouldn't it? Like, that's pretty simple. It's like, how could I be saved? It's like, oh, this is what we dream of, you know? Well, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. Done. But that's not how Jesus responds to this guy, right? Jesus responds by saying, you know, keep the commandments. Really? Yeah. In Matthew, it tells us that Jesus says, keep the commandments. And then the young guy's like, what commandments? Well, because they they had a lot of them. So Jesus goes on to list these commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery. Now, it's interesting that these commandments that Jesus recites to him all have to do with how we relate with one another. The first part of the Ten Commandments are all about our relationship with God, how we relate with God. The second part are all about how we relate with others. I mean, Jesus sums it up pretty nicely, doesn't he? All the commandments, all the law and prophet hang on this, love God and love others. But it's interesting, why did he only say the second half? I'm not sure. (laughs) But perhaps it's because we can more clearly see our sin in a relationship with other people than we can with our relationship with God. It's more blatant. It's there. So Jesus says this, I think, to test this young man. And this guy, I don't know what he thinks, but he has kind of this arrogant response, right? Like, yes, I've done all that. He's like, I've kept those commandments since I was young, since I was a boy. Now, that probably would have been around the age 13, because that was when they were expected to adhere to all the commandments that they had had when the young, young boy became a man. So it was like, he's like, I've done this since I was 13. I don't think this guy was lying. I think he seriously, honestly believed that according to the law, he had done everything that he was supposed to do. And he was good according to the law. But in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he shows us the depths of the law that this man didn't understand. I mean, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, the law says, do not murder. But if you are angry with your brother, if you insult your brother, you're subject to judgment. The law says, do not commit adultery. But Jesus says, if you even look at someone with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Sin goes deeper than words and actions. It's also in our thoughts and our attitudes. 
And he missed that first statement that Jesus started with. No one is good but God alone. Because externally, it looked like he had done all the right things, right? He'd kept all the rules sincerely since he was a boy. I mean, you and I probably would have looked at this guy's life and been like, hey, this is, this is a good guy. I want him to marry my daughter. <laughs> he looked clean on the outside, but Jesus revealed to him that in, internally he wasn't. I mean, this is like what Jesus said to the, to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He's like, you're whitewashed tombs. He's like, you're looking good on the outside, but inside it's full of death and rot and decay. Because God is more concerned with the internal. What's going on in our hearts and our minds? Those are the places that he wants to bring life to, to restore and renew and heal. Jesus was testing this guy to see if he knew what was going on inside, if he could recognize his internal state to admit, yes, I, I need help, I failed, I, I, I need a savior. But he doesn't. He declares his supposed righteousness. And so what does Jesus do? Does he put him in his place? No, look what it says. It says Jesus looks at him and he loves him. Jesus looks at this man and just love wells up within him for this guy. Picture this. I'm going to start over here because I need some space. This guy runs up to Jesus, falls on his knees, and he cries out, good teacher, what must I do to have life? Jesus like, obey the commandments. Which ones? Well, these ones. I've done that. What am I lacking? Can you see Jesus' response to this guy? He desperately wanted to find life. He desperately wanted to know that he was saved. Because in his rule keeping, he had no assurance of that. He didn't know. He knew that trying to keep all the rules wasn't working. It wasn't enough. Something was still lacking. There is no salvation to be found in rule keeping. Salvation is of the heart. And that's the place Jesus works. You know, if you're thinking, you know, well, I go to church all the time, so I'm good. That won't save you. Only Jesus will. You know, well, I won't sleep around or do what everything, you know, everybody else is doing around me. That won't save you. Only Jesus well, maybe I'll just give all this money to these people and I'll build orphanages and all kinds of stuff. Those won't save you. Only Jesus can do that. This man was blind to see what was really controlling him. Blind to see the master that he was actually serving, right? You can't serve both God and money. I mean, Jesus tells us this. So Jesus opened his eyes Jesus opens the eyes of those physically blind, yes. He also opens the eyes of those who are spiritually blind. And that's what he does in the case of this young man. He tells him, this is what you lack. Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. It laid him bare. 
And it was because Jesus loved him. It was out of his love for him that he called him out of his way of life into something deeper. It was because he loved him that he opened his eyes to see his depravity, to see his need, to see what the real lack was. So when Jesus opens your eyes and reveals another sin in your life, don't be discouraged and depressed. It is a place that he is revealing to you that he wants to bring life and healing. It is good news. It's because he loves you. If he didn't love you, he wouldn't do it. He would let you do whatever you want. It was because of his love that he opened this man's eyes. And this guy goes away, head hung low, face sad, dragging his feet. What a different picture than the guy who first ran up to Jesus, hey? He was thinking, is it really worth all I have? Because I have a lot. He had a lot. Says he was extremely wealthy. And I would say, yes, it's worth it. Yes, it's, it's, it's more than worth it. It's always more than worth it. I mean, we don't know how this story ends. Man, I, I love to think that the guy took some time to process and then eventually came back to Jesus, but we don't know. He just goes away sad, and that's the last we hear of it. And I can imagine Jesus. He had this interaction with this guy that he, he genuinely cared for. It's like, hey, do this and come follow me. And Jesus stands there and he watches him and he walks away and Jesus is like, I have so much for you. And so in that, Jesus, looking around him, he looks at his disciples and he tells them, he says, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And his disciples are astonished or amazed. They're like, wait, what? This was a huge shock to them. They were greatly surprised to hear Jesus say this because it went against everything that they had thought and been taught in that day. Riches were seen as a blessing. So those who were rich were seen as like extra blessed or like extra spiritual. Maybe because they could buy a bigger offering. You know, they could buy the bull rather than the goat or the lamb or the dove or the grain. But don't we do the same thing? You know, thinking that the person who can give the largest amount of money, well, they're the real spiritual person. But it's not about the amount. More isn't always better. I mean... There's a perfect example of this that we're going to get to in Mark chapter 12. We're not there yet. But there's this widow who goes to the temple and she puts in a penny. And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 boys, 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 everybody come here, come here, come here, come here. He calls them all together like she put in a penny. And they're like, what? She just gave more than everyone else here combined. Because it wasn't about the amount. It was about there was a heart attitude behind it. I'm excited. I got to stop because we're going to preach that eventually. I don't want to take it away from Andrew when he preaches it sometime later. But Jesus says this. 
it's hard for a, a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so this new kingdom economics that Jesus is talking about, you know, the first will be last and all this kind of, it goes against what they had kind of been taught and thought in that day. And Jesus doesn't just stop there. No, he keeps poking there. He says it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And now it says the disciples were even more amazed. They were even more shocked. Wait, you just said it was hard. Now you're saying it's impossible? Are we, are we missing something here, Jesus? Is this really what it is? If there is no hope for the super blessed ones to get into heaven, what hope is there for us? The common folk. In our world, we are the rich ones. Are we not? If you have $4,000 to your name, you're richer than 50% of the entire world. If you make 60 grand a year, you're richer than 80% of the entire world. We are the rich ones here. And all that money is not going to help us spiritually. Wealth is actually, I would say, a spiritual disadvantage. Because often it makes us think that we're the ones who take care and provide for ourselves. Well, I earned this. When it's God who is our provider, he is the one who cares for us. He's the one who gives us breath and life. Each moment he gives it. So Jesus says it's impossible for riches to save you. It's impossible. Well, then who can be saved? I mean, that's what the disciples, they ask each other. I find it interesting that they started asking each other, who could be saved? Jesus says, hmm, with man it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With man it's impossible. You can't save yourself. I mean, we see this from the rich, the rich young guy's attitude from the very beginning in his statements. He says, what can I do to inherit eternal life? I have done all these things since I was young. What do I lack? That's the attitude that he could do something. That he could buy it. That he could earn it. And Jesus said, that's impossible. That'll never work. But with God, things are possible. Because Jesus made the way when there was no way. Jesus paid the infinite debt upon our heads that we could never pay. So all praise and honor to him. So as Peter is thinking about these things, <laughs> Peter kind of pipes up, like a Peter, Peter Piper. Um, he's like, hey Jesus, what, what you asked of that guy, you know, to leave everything and, and follow you? It's like, we, we left everything to follow you. Like, we left our homes, our businesses, families to, to follow you. What about us, Jesus? What about us that follow you? So Jesus responds to him, Truly I tell you, 
No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. What Jesus is saying here is that there are rewards for those who follow him. You know, and it's interesting that he lists in there persecutions for those who follow him as well. A hundred times the persecutions. That's not something we love to think about or talk about. But Jesus made it clear that following him, it's like they persecuted me, they will persecute you. It's a guarantee. But Jesus says that they will be rewarded. And I would say that this is probably like a long-term investment strategy. Because think about all the earthly treasures that we have. Whatever you might think of as an earthly treasure. One day, it's going to burn and melt when Jesus comes back to make all things new. The mountains will melt because of this intense heat of it. So that thing sitting in your garage is going to melt too. So Jesus tells the guy, he's like, don't store up treasures on earth here. Store up treasures in heaven. Matthew 6, 20. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The rich young man's heart was with his treasure, which for him was here on this earth. And until his heart moved from this earth towards Christ and his glory, eternal life would would not be his. See, the, the, the main thing here Jesus is saying is that you will be compensated for following me. And it will be worth it. It'll be more than worth it. I mean, we see some of that now on earth. Like when we come to Christ, when we are welcomed into his family, we have brothers and sisters and mothers galore now in the body of Christ. And that bond goes deeper than blood because it's built on better blood, which is the blood of Jesus. But those who follow him will be compensated. The point of what Jesus was trying to do was expose this guy's heart. Right? Sell everything you have and come follow me. And in, in that statement, he revealed what this man was prizing. He revealed the reality of his heart. What is the condition of your heart? Do you know? What is the condition of my heart? This is, this is for all of us a question to seek the Lord on. Are we trying to earn eternal life on our own? By doing the right things, by not doing the bad things, whatever it is. Eternal life is a gift to be received freely. I mean, we see that earlier in this passage when Jesus is talking about the little children. Mark 10, 15, I tell you the truth, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. How do they receive? <laughs> Joyfully. 
hands open, arms open, no strings attached. Can we receive in the same way? Or maybe there's, there's something hindering you from receiving. Is there something that you need to let go of? Some of you need to hear this this morning. Stop striving and receive freely. But is there something we need to let go of? Like the rich young ruler, he couldn't let go. Maybe it's trying to earn your salvation one way or another. Maybe it's holding on to something that you value more than Christ. Maybe there's something holding you back in getting to know Jesus deeper. Maybe for some of you, there's some darkness in your life that you don't want anymore. Jesus wants to bring you freedom today. You can ask him. Just say, Jesus, send me your light. Because he loves you deeply. So we're just going to take a moment and ask, because Jesus knows and he wants to open our eyes to what it is in our lives that are holding us back. So let's just take a moment to ask him, Jesus, is there something I need to let go of? Maybe Jesus brought something to your mind that he wants you to let go of. Don't be discouraged. He opens the eyes of those he loves because he wants you to walk in greater freedom and victory in your life. Now maybe Jesus brought something to mind that you don't know how to let go of. You can just pray a simple prayer like this. Jesus, I release to you whatever it is that he brought into your mind. I renounce all my own attempts at trying to earn salvation. Receive your gift freely, Jesus. Because it's not works that I have done, but it is the work that you have done. And there's this beautiful thing in being able to let go. We let go, and we have our hands open, and we can receive from Jesus. So I want to take a moment again and just, we want to ask Jesus if there's anything he wants to give us today. Because he gives good gifts. You want a gift from Jesus, that's what I'm saying. So we'll just pray, just take a moment. Jesus, is there anything you want to give me today? Is there anything that you want me to receive from you today?
and I just bless you. I bless you to receive whatever gift Jesus wants to give to you. That it would fill you and flow through you in greater and greater measure.